Good morning. This is Tommy Ray, and we are in episode 50 of Water Rights, Laws, Guns, and Money. I hope you have been learning a little about water rights and how they function during this past year. Episode 50 is a milestone. I want to use this episode to review and summarize some of the things we have discussed and give you my impressions of what we should be doing with Colorado water and Colorado water law. I became interested in water in about 1985 and started asking a lot of questions. As I learned the history behind water rights, it started to make sense. But as I dug further into water law and began getting some real-life experience, parts of Colorado water law made no sense in today's age. The first one that I began to question was the anti-speculation issue. Yep, it made sense when Colorado was young and there seemed to be plenty of water for appropriation. We certainly didn't want anyone, particularly big investors from out of state, making water claims and holding them for later profit. That would have harmed our state and prevented those early farmers or cities from staking legitimate claims. We wanted to put our water to maximum use. That only made sense. To me, it was very similar to the Homestead Act. The U.S. government wanted people to populate the West and let them have 160 acres of ground if they would, quote, use it. Use it meant build a house and put the land to productive use. And after five years, the 160 acres belonged to the homesteader. He received title to the ground in fee and then could do with it what he wanted. It wasn't long until most of the ground was taken, at least all the good productive parcels. It sure seems to me there is a parallel there to water claims. The early water rights, the most senior, were the best water rights, and those were all taken first. Sure, you can still claim a water right today, and you might get water on June 4 and 5 when there's plenty of water in the river and all water rights more senior to you are being satisfied. And I don't know, but you might still today claim 160 acres of terrible ground somewhere and eventually be granted title to the ground. I don't think so. But anyway, just know that all the good ground was claimed early. Very similar to water rights. All water at least on the front range, was claimed early. This means if you want some water rights, you have to buy them from someone that has claim to them. Just like if you want a piece of good ground that was claimed under the Homestead Act, you go out and negotiate with the owner to buy it. That's what you do if you need water today. You go negotiate with the owner and then change that water right to a different location where you need it. 
This is not speculation in my mind. It is simply doing business. But chances are pretty dang good that the state might say this is speculation. As long as I don't harm other water users on the river system, why should it be speculation? I do agree that the water needs to go to water court to make sure all others on the stream are protected. After court, I have right to, quote, consume that much water under that priority date. What possible difference does it make where I put that water to use? It is water that was consumed or lost to the stream system. I could send that consumptive use water to the moon if I liked, and it would not affect other water users. I am only removing the consumptive use portion, and that consumptive use portion has already been taken from the stream, usually by growing crops. It just doesn't make sense. And now there is movement afoot to deny investors the right to buy water rights and our farms with water rights and later try to sell those water rights at a profit. I understand cities want to keep investors out of the market to try to hold down prices of water. But my contention is that there is already so much competition for that water among other cities that prices are escalating anyway. I think the inner city competition is what has driven up prices of water and that competition will continue. Okay, let's move on. It is a well-known statistic that 85% of the water in Colorado is used in agriculture, and agriculture produces less than 10% of the wealth of the state. Further, for every one job lost in agriculture, when water is moved to a city, 67 jobs are created in that city. And so why are we so wrung out about not moving water from ag to municipalities? And of course, farmers will be paid the market price for their consumptive use water. It's not like we are, quote, taking water from the farmers. They will be paid handsomely. And remember, we're raising crops in Colorado, parts of which are a desert, are at best semi-arid. Doesn't make much sense. All this is going to require changes in statutory law, and the chances of that happening are slim to none, and slim just left town because all water bills are introduced in the Agriculture Livestock and Water Committee. And I'm sure that committee is mainly composed of agricultural interest. We've blocked ourselves in. This is politics. And another, quote, beef I have is the sanctioned law that says all waters of the state belong to the citizens of Colorado. Really? Can I go down to the plat and fill up a tanker truck with water so I can fill up my goldfish pond? No, 
No again, all waters have already been claimed, and those waters are controlled by our prior appropriation system. Only those with water rights can access and use this water. So who really owns the water? Not me, not even a drop. One of the listeners of this podcast is an independent thinker. He makes a good argument about water throughout the West. There is a major social political issue underlying anti-speculation and many other water topics. Namely, is water a public resource that should be publicly managed for the benefit of our evolving objectives or a private water right with the constraints and benefits of our free market system? Currently, it is a hybrid sitting uneasily in the middle of these concepts. You can sell your water right, but we don't want brokers or middlemen to make an unseemly profit via speculation. And beneficial use is required, but it seems to be a very weak test. So if the current situation has problems, the big question is which direction should we move? More government control? or more capitalism. Water is unlike anything else we deal with. As Alex Davis noted in an earlier episode, it is 100% required by every individual and every business on every day. And it's a commodity distributed by natural processes that fluctuate over time. This leads one to think the best answer leans toward the more government control end of the scale. The listener had also read Cadillac Desert. This book pointed out the enormous public investment in the last hundred years to build water infrastructure. The listener cannot see any justification for treating the water rights given out a hundred years ago as sacrosanct private property. After all, it was public money that built these huge dams and diversion structures. He further argues that we might start telling some agricultural interests that their use of water is no longer a priority for the community and it will be given to in-stream flows and productive farmers instead. He wonders if we should even pay the water holder for their rights. I don't agree with simply taking their water, but I do think we need to reprioritize the use of, quote, our water. And that would come over years and through the political system we have in place. There will be many competing views on priorities and water management boards will be ripe for mismanagement and corruption. The listener predicts the U.S. will move in this direction as population grows and climate change has greater impact. We continue to limp along under the existing system, and that is probably what will happen. 
Change is hard, but change is a part of life and always will be. Changes will be coming to the water business. They have to. The way we do things now is terribly inefficient. I'm not suggesting that we change things in a hurry or before we know the direction we're going, but let's be prepared. Our political leaders need to start making laws that make it easier to invest in water, move it, and be better prepared to serve the population increases that we know are coming. What we have now is way too cumbersome and takes too long. We can continue to protect all existing water right holders. Just make things simpler. And we also have to reconsider the water compacts that were developed a 100 years ago, particularly the Colorado River Compact. A professor in Utah has suggested it be renegotiated based on percentages of flow rather than absolute numbers. That, too, makes sense because the flows in the Colorado are erratic. And this professor wants to see native Indian tribes represented in the compacts. This should happen. So lots of things to think about. I am going to take a break from this water podcast. The original intent was simply to educate listeners. And I have many more topics that could be explored. But as with anything, you get burned out. The podcast will continue to be available for review or to introduce newbies to the water situation in Colorado. I will probably add more episodes this fall after I line up more experts to interview. So if you've been listening, you can continue to reach me at Tommy at NoWater.com. That's K-N-O-W hyphen water.com. So, with that said, I think we could all use a relaxing break. I'm going to let my favorite mountain stream run a little longer than usual if you simply want to relax. See you this fall.